Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. One of the key ideas that we find articulated in Blaise Pascal's work, The Pensées, which has considerable influence on some later authors who take this up and reinterpret this, is what has come to be called the three orders. And Pascal frames these in a couple different sections, notably section 460, where he talks about it in terms of the traditional, by that time, three kinds of sinful dispositions, and also in section 793, which is in the Brunschvig edition included you know, towards the back in the, these were not quite sure where to put them because Brunschvig arranged all these, well, not all, but most of Pascal's notes into sections. And there are a few others as well where these notions are going to come up. So we're going to want to bring those those passages in. So what are we talking about here? What are these three orders? They are three domains, three levels of reality, you could say. And they are all real and they all do have some value. So he's not, you know, rejecting one in favor of the other two or another one but they are distinct from each other. And there's a kind of incommensurability between them, an incommensurability, not just in terms of the human subjects who orient themselves within these, but also an incommensurability of value, as we're going to see. So what are these three orders? Let's start with the bottom one. This is what we could call the order of the flesh, the word that Pascal uses, you know, char, flesh is the corresponding English term. And, and this is, you know, corresponding to sarx in Greek, like in the New Testament. And then we have body as well, the core, right? So this is the level at which people are primarily orienting themselves to the physical world that we see and to being a body, among other things, in that very world. And then on a higher level, we have the order of the mind, the esprit. At certain points, as we'll see, Pascal will talk in terms of intellect, right? As opposed to just the entire mind, but it's fine to call it the mind. This is a general term in French for the, the part of us that does the thinking as opposed to the body. So we've already got, you know, something that will be very familiar to those who studied modern philosophy, particularly contemporary contemporaries of Pascal, like René Descartes, we've got a distinction between the mind and the body. And the mind is more valuable and incommensurable with the body. And yet we've got a third level. And this is, you know, you could say rather distinct or something that Pascal is adding to the mix. We have the order of what he's going to call in one place, the will. And now this is going to present a few problems that we'll look at, but the volonté, right? The faculty of choice, but not just the faculty of choice, the part of us that turns our attention, that 
chooses what to do with the mind and the body. So this is quite important. He'll also talk about this level as being one of charité, which we can translate as love, or if you like, you can use the cognate charity. And so this is something that is yet higher and incommensurable with these other orders. So let's actually take a look at the passages. He begins 460 with talking about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, pride, etc. So what are we talking about there? Well, these are sort of three overarching dispositions that if you look in Christian thought, these will be ways of classifying how people go wrong. The lust of the flesh includes a lot. The lust of the eyes, you might say, how do your eyes actually feel lust? Well, you want to look at stuff and by extension, you want to think about things. Curiosity is central to that. And then the pride of life. He just talks about pride or gay at this point, but it's traditionally talked about as the the pride of, of life. And so all three of these are distinctive ways in which people go wrong, but they're also leading clues to how we can arrange things. He says, there are three orders of things, the flesh, the spirit, and the will. And then he starts talking about the kinds of people that correspond to this. And we'll have to look at not just section 460 in order to flesh this out, but let's start with that. He talks about the carnal, right? The charnel, those who are primarily oriented by their flesh, kings, the rich. Um, In section 793, he'll also talk about captains, right? And captains, we could think of this as anybody who's uh, using power. And then he says, also all of the people of the flesh, tous les gens de chair, right? And so this is, you know, all of those sorts of people. What is uh, orienting them? He'll say that they have the body as their object. And what does he mean the body? Their own single body? No, the whole realm of bodily things. They're interested in exercising power, in making wealth. They're interested in enjoying physical pleasure or perhaps avoiding physical pain. They are fundamentally preoccupied with matters of the flesh, of the body. So that's one level. What about the order of the mind, which could include Pascal himself at an earlier stage of his life? And remember, he's a great mathematician who makes contributions to a theory of probability and all sorts of other interesting things as well. He's kind of a social critic, you could say, in this work as in his earlier works. He's very interested in rhetoric, as we know. So what are these people all about? He says, now the translation here is inquirers and scientists. And so inquirers are those who have curiosity, right? And scientists, the savant, right? The knowers, the people who are orienting themselves. It's not just the sciences, or if we understand sciences, we have to understand it in a very broad sense. So it would include mathematics and philosophy and literature and rhetoric and all of these other things, as well as the natural and what we call the social sciences. And these people are oriented by research, by thinking, by using their intellects. They're oriented by 
inquiry or curiosité in French, right? They want to figure things out. They want to understand things. You know, not a bad thing, right? And he will talk about these at a certain point as the great geniuses, les grands génies, the great minds, have their empire, their place, right? Their greatness, their victory, their lustre, their, you could call it appealingness or attractiveness, right? And, uh, you know, they're rising above the order of the flesh because this stuff is more interesting for them. They want knowledge. That's what they're seeking. I mean, there's a certain kind of pleasure in knowledge, you could say, but they're not seeking out physical pleasure. They're seeking out the enjoyment of something mental, something intellectual. Then we have this highest level. This is the people that Pascal actually calls the wise. And you might say, well, don't they belong in the order of mind? Well, for Pascal, true wisdom, genuine wisdom, isn't just a matter of the mind or the intellect or science or something like that. As a matter of fact, humble people can be wise. Simple people can be wise. And they are looking for wisdom. That's what is orienting them, right? And what is their object? So as opposed to knowledge, or, you know, the things of the flesh, the body. He says that it is righteousness, justice in French, which we could translate as justice, but I think righteousness has a good connotation here because it, it frames it in terms of like the justice of fitting yourself into not just the cosmos, but in relation to God and to other people. And he actually tells us that these people, he brings it up in terms of the pride of life, but there is a proper sort of pride that they can have. He says, this is in section 460, God must reign over all, all must be brought back to him in things of the flesh, lust reigns specially, rules, you could say, right? In intellectual matters, inquiry, in wisdom, pride specially, l'orgueil proprement. So there is a kind of pride that would be the right sort. He says that not that a man cannot boast of wealth or knowledge, but it is not the place for pride in granting to a person that they are learned. It's easy to convince them that they're wrong to be proud. The proper place for pride is in wisdom. Why? Now, here's where he says something very interesting that reveals that this order is open to the above, right? The proper place for pride is in wisdom, for it cannot be granted to a person that they have made themselves wise and that they are wrong to be proud, for that is right. God alone gives wisdom, and that is why who glories should glory in God, he says, right? So, you know, this is quite an interesting set of points that he's making. If we look at section 793, there's some additional things that are being added to this. He tells us that, and here's where, you know, this invisibility, this inability to grasp what's going on with the higher order. He tells us that the greatness of the people of the mind is invisible to kings, to rich people, to captains, to all the people of the flesh. They, you know, they can have some dim inkling of it. They can certainly use them, but they can't grasp the greatness of these people. They can only understand it in pragmatic ways. So the science 
if we want to use the natural sciences, that these people can engage in and you know produce advances in can only be understood in terms of making money or making war or providing pleasures or you know managing people. It can't be understood in its own terms. He goes on and he says, the greatness of wisdom, which is nothing without God, is invisible to the fleshly people and to the people of mind. Why? Because these are three different orders in terms of their nature or genre. And he goes on and he says, each of these has their empire. Each of them has their things that they're good at. The Holy people, les saints, have their empire, their victory, their attractiveness, which has no need of fleshly or bodily greatnesses or spiritual, uh, where they don't have any sort of connection. These, in adding themselves, aren't going to uh, contribute anything. And he says they are seen by God and the angels, not by the bodies uh, or by curious minds. God alone suffices to them. And he's going to go on as well and tell us some other very interesting things about this as well. So he tells us that all of the bodies, the firmament, so the the cosmos itself, right? The stars, the earth and its kingdoms are not worth, don't have value of the least of minds. All that physical stuff. It's awesome, but just one single mind is worth more than that. So there's an incommensurability here going on. He goes on and he says, why? Because this mind knows all of that and itself. The body doesn't. What else? All of the bodies together, all of the minds together, and all of their productions are not worth or not of the same value as the least movement of charity or love. This is of a infinitely higher order, he says. And, you know, he says, of all the bodies together, you cannot, you know, get a single thought. This is impossible. It's of another order. Of all the bodies and minds together, you can't draw a single movement of true charity This is impossible. It's of another order. It is supernatural. So this is this third order is where we really connect up with God, not just in having knowledge of God or being part of a cosmos that God created. And there's a few other things that we need to say to fill this out. So one is right after 460, he's going to follow this up by saying, the three lusts have made three sects and the philosophers have done no other thing than follow one of the three lusts, right? Which implies that we can go wrong even on this highest level, right? And a little bit earlier in the work, in section 283, he's going to talk again about order. And he's going to say against the objection, the scripture has no order. And he's going to bring in a term that has just been you know, brought up in a very famous way earlier in section 277 about the heart. So he says the heart has its own order. What is the order of the heart? The highest level, right? The intellect has its own, which is by principle and demonstration. The heart has another. And what is this highest level? It is the order of charity, of love, charité, 
in, in French. So what we've got, I mean, you could say, well, so all of this take place only on the highest order? No, in the human being, the will, the heart and love can take place at all of these levels. True love, true charity is only at the highest level. And we human beings are very subject to getting all of these things mixed up and screwed up. And, you know, you don't have to be a Pascal. You can go all the way back to Augustine. Love can be disordered, can't it, right? And we're always loving. The heart, the will is constantly oriented by love and the will extends to all of this as the heart encompasses all of this. And ultimately it should be oriented within and by the things of this highest order, keeping everything you could say in its proper perspective. So this is a very important distinction that Pascal is going to make that should allow human beings, in his view, to properly understand and orient themselves in a world in which there are many people primarily focused on the body and the flesh, others who go beyond that to the realm of the mind or the intellect, and yet others who go even further with the help of God. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.